I always recommend that people need to think about why they're using their LinkedIn profile and what they're using it for. Okay. So whether you're finding a job, whether you're trying to build your personal brand for the long haul, if you're trying to get speaking engagements, or if you're an entrepreneur and you're using it as a sales page, regardless, everybody's is technically using it as a sales page, but I want you to first get super clear on why you are utilizing it. Like what's the purpose of it? Um, and then from there, it's really around, I actually recommend people go from top to bottom then to the middle again. So I recommend doing everything that's at the top. So the headline, the profile, the cover photo, then jumping down to the experience section, then going back up to the summary section, because the summary section can be the biggest beast and you're going to lose steam and you're going to get frustrated and writing it can be a pain. So I would rather you complete the other parts of your profile before you get to the summary. Are you a follower of Jesus that feels called to expand the kingdom of God through building and growing successful businesses? If that's you, then welcome to the Kingdom Capitalist Show that interviews amazing Christians using their business and money-making abilities to expand God's kingdom all over the globe. I'm your host, Ellis Hammond, and welcome to the show. Welcome, everyone, to the Kingdom Capitalist Show. I'm your host again, Ellis Hammond. Thanks so much for joining us. Uh, today, we're just going to get right into the episode. I, I'm really, really looking forward to our guest. She's going to provide a ton of value. Her story is, uh, is really powerful. It's impressive what she's been able to do and, and really taking a leap of faith to, to leave um, kind of a corporate job and then really launching something of her own. And she's helping so many other women now. Um, really do the same thing or just kind of find their sweet space in the market, uh, in the marketplace. And then not only that, this is why I'm really pumped. She is uh, an expert, a strategist on one of my favorite platforms that we talk about all the time on the show is LinkedIn. And so you're going to get a ton of value from today's episode, just hearing her story and then hopefully uh, learning how we can use the platform of LinkedIn to help your business. So welcome everybody to the show, Jenna Viviano. <laughs> Hi, thank you so much for having me. I'm pumped to be here. <laughs> yeah, this is going to be a lot of fun. I know that we're going to, this is just going to be a fun show. So um, just because I know, you know, some of our audience might know you, they may not. Um, tell our audience where you're at in the world. Let's, let's, let me ask you that first. Where are you? I'm in Nashville, Tennessee, and I love it. Yeah? What <laughs> yes, do you love I about love Nashville? You know, Nashville for me, I moved here about three years ago, technically Franklin. So it's a little bit South of Nashville proper, but mm -hmm. um, I moved here about three years ago from Manhattan and I just I was wow. kind of sick of Manhattan. I was just really not feeling it anymore. And I feel like Nashville is kind of the best of both worlds. It's still a transplant city because so many people are moving here, but it still has a small town feel. So I, I think for people who like, like both a city and country, it's perfect. But where are you originally from? I'm originally from Pittsburgh. So, okay. so, steel, so, you're, a big, so you're a big city girl though. I guess so, but I never thought of Pittsburgh as a big city. That's true. Like to me, it would never felt like it was a big city. It just actually felt like it was a small, I didn't even realize that I was in the city. I don't think until I left and I went to college at Lehigh university, which is Eastern PA, small, small, old steel town also. And, um, but it was a town, it was not a big city. And then I moved to the city. Um, but yeah, yeah I just, I actually probably, I'm probably not really a city girl. Like I like some parts of the city. Like I like to dabble, but I prefer the countryside. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. Well, real quick, I'd love to, uh, so, and what, what brought you to Manhattan? Um, a job. So I started right out of school. Um, I got a job working on Wall Street. So that's really what drove me to New York. And I was trying to leave New York probably from the first day I stepped foot on it. <laughs> really? Wow. <laughs> and then I was there for about five years and I'm grateful that I was there for those five years, but I was also very grateful to leave. Yeah. 
Okay, well, I, there's so much I want to get into today. I know our audience is, is going to be excited to hear it, but let me uh, I always just um, pray before we get started, sure. and so I'm going to do that, and then uh, we'll get going. So, Father, thank you uh, for today and this opportunity to interview Jenna and hear her story, and um, just thankful for the faith that you've given her uh, to be able to to launch a business on her own and the value that she's bringing to so many others. I'm just grateful for that, and I pray that... Um, the things that you've taught her through her story, through her business, that also might be a blessing to our audience. And uh, we thank you for Christ. And we thank you that um, because of him, uh, we can use our gifts uh, to bring about renewal in the marketplace. And we pray that would be evident today in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. In my family, because we're Italian, we always say bada petite. But not actually after every prayer, but after we eat, we always, or before we eat rather, we say bon appetit. So it's just become so ingrained to me that I always want to say it. After Slow it day. down. What do you say? I can't even, it's so Italian. It's so fast. Bon say appetit. Bon appetit. Yes. After you pray, really? Even like that? No, I'm not every prayer. Italians are always yeah. eating though. Is that, That's probably yeah, the, that's the <laughs> people think my family's Italian because when they come visit us, everybody's like hugging and kissing. And like yeah. touching each other, like I, people, that's going to sound yeah. really weird. But like, if you're Italian, you kind of get it. You know what yeah. I mean? Like everybody's like, anyways, yes. we're not, I'm not even sure. We just do that for some reason. <laughs> All right. We're going to get into this show today. So, um, Jenna, tell our audience kind of where, what you're doing now, and then mm -hmm. we can kind of get back into your backstory just so they have an idea of kind of what your business is. Yeah. So I have a career coaching business. I'm a career coach and strategist. So I predominantly work with mid to senior level women who are looking to make a career change and either don't know how to sell themselves. They don't have a personal brand. They know they need to improve that. And they're looking to learn how to negotiate. So I really help position them for, I kind of treat them as if they're their own business and show them how they can position themselves in the marketplace. Similar to an entrepreneur would, would position their business. Got it. And so, so, okay. So, so let's back up a little bit then because you know, that's, that's who you're serving uh, that, that yeah. niche of women. Cause that sounds like you were living on wall street or working on wall street. That's kind of mm -hmm. where you were for a season of life. Yeah. So I worked on wall street. I had, um, right out of school, I got a job in investment banking. Um, so I was working in healthcare investment banking, hated my life, like hated my life. <laughs> I was working a hundred hours a week and, um, hundred really hours a week. Yeah. Yeah. 80 to hundred. We'll give 80 to hundred because wow. it wasn't hundred every week, but it was, I mean, it would top out at that. And, um, I was just a fraction of myself. I wasn't following the Lord. Then, um, I grew up in a Presbyterian home and my parents would say I grew up Christian, which is true, but I don't think there was much of a head heart knowledge going on there. Um, yeah. I definitely wasn't, there was no fruit in my life to showcase that. Um, my definition of Christianity probably at that time was having Tim Tebow's like poster in my cubicle at work. Like that was my version <laughs> of Christianity. Yeah. Like that was it. Um, and so I remember sitting on the bathroom floor of the building that I was in on a Saturday morning. Cause I was working and I was just a hot mess, hot mess. I was crying. I was just like, so physically, mentally, emotionally exhausted and I remember lying there and I said, God, I don't know if you're real, but if you're real, you've got to get me out of here. Mm. And a couple of weeks later, a sorority sister of mine from college workers was working at the New York stock exchange. And she said, you need to get out of where you're at right now. We never see you. Um, there's this job opening in the capital markets department. I think you'd be a good fit. And I was like, I don't even have time to apply. <laughs> I don't even know how to prepare for this interview. 
I actually even cried in my interview. Like I was so overwhelmed <laughs> and exhausted. Wow. Um, and then, but somehow, I'm sorry to laugh at your pain. That, that actually no, just would funny. be, that's incredible that you, you laugh and you still, I know you were going to tell me you got the job. So that's pretty interesting. So keep going. I'm very curious now. So I, um, and it bless, it was, um, one of the women, she was managing directors there and she asked me a very simple like technical question related to finance. And I was just, I had gone the night before probably at the office to like 2am or some crazy hour and had an 8am interview. So like I had no time to prepare. And I just looked at her and I started tears are rolling down my face. I was like, I just don't know. I'm sorry. I'll have to think about it. (laughs) Um, but fast forward a couple weeks later, they gave me a job. I quit my investment banking job and it was, um, there that I got to start to revisit my confidence in myself and my capabilities and what I actually was put on earth to do. So that's really where my evolution started of like bottom, bottoming out literally on the bathroom floor to the Lord getting me out of that situation and into the New York stock exchange. Mm. So for those, I mean, that's such an interesting transition and and I can kind of feel your pain a little bit as you tell that story, right? Mm-hmm. Like you didn't even have time to apply. What, like, what was it just that the motivation of your friend, like would that just said, Hey, you got to go do this. I mean, what even got you to that interview? If you didn't, you know, you, you didn't have time to apply. You worked till 2 AM yeah. that morning. Why even show up for that? Cause I wanted out so bad. I was like, yeah. I have literally nothing to lose. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I kind of wanted to go inside of the New York stock exchange. Also, selfishly, probably, I wanted to get a tour of what it looked like inside. So um, I just wanted to get out so so badly. And it just kind of fell in my lap that I was like, all right, I'll take this as a sign as this could be the thing. Yeah. And I joke now to my, um, the guy who ended up hiring me that he saved me from investment banking when we actually know the Lord saved me, but yeah. I always joke that he saved me from investment banking. Because, because faith, well, I mean, you say like you had the, you know, the Tim Tebow version and by the way, I hate mm-hmm. saying that because Tim Tebow probably really loves the Lord. Oh we my all gosh, know totally. that, right? Yeah, so, but, but, but everybody knows what we mean, right? This facade. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I only say that cause I'd like to have Tim Tebow on the show one day. So I don't want to bash him right here uh, no, on my podcast um, because it wasn't a big part of your story. I mean, it was your no. background, but you weren't like you were relying on the Lord. It was very surface level. So I would tell people I was a Christian, but there was no heart knowledge or interest or hunger for God's word or um, enriching that relationship with him um, until I got out. And actually when I was working at the New York stock exchange, I always say that I found Jesus on wall street. And the mm. reason why I say that is because when I was working at the New York stock exchange, there was a coworker of mine who was my age and he was a believer and he showed up to work as a whole person. So like we knew that he was a Christian and I think I probably mentioned I was interested in going to a church again or trying to figure it out in New York. And, um, he basically kept pestering me to get involved with this one group it was called crew millennial. So it was, it was an offshoot of campus, um, crew, if you're familiar mm-hmm. with that mm-hmm. ministry and they were launching a new program in um, New York city. And so he kept on asking me to go to this weekend retreat with a bunch of other Christians. And I said, wow. and no, I'm not doing that. <laughs> <laughs> That's probably going to be weird. Like, no, I'm not going to do that. And he just kind of kept on asking and asking until finally I told him, okay, I will go. He stops asking me, I will go. And it was there that I met like people who were like me, um, just looking and that were really strong believers. And I met my mentor there and it was because of him that I really believe that I started to, if he hadn't asked me, if he hadn't been bold enough to ask that question, if he hadn't shown up to work as a whole person and I've got mm. to see his character and he welcomed me into his life, I would not be here talking to you today. Mm. That's so. really powerful. I mean, I think about 
that he was on Wall Street, right? Like yeah. or in the New York Stock Exchange, and here he is inviting you to. I, I think that's an incredible story. So, so your mentor—that's a different person than the person who brought you to that. Is that correct? Yes, exactly. So an older woman. Um, she was a leader and crew, and Carrie and I. Her name was Carrie. And um, she always sat with me over many a tear-stained salad, is what I joke about, across from the New York Stock Exchange for months after that, while I was trying to unpack this faith thing and how it impacted my life and with the things that I was struggling with. And so- um, She was working there as well at the Stock Exchange? No, she worked for Crew. Okay. She worked for Crew and um, she was kind of that entry point. And so, um, yeah, it was just an amazing thing that that was that turning point for me in my life, I would say. Um, and I got involved in a church and like kind of the rest is history. So, mm. wow, that's really powerful. I, I, there's, I don't quite sure where to dive into next. Cause I really want to hear about that season. I guess what I want to know is eventually we know based on your bio that you're no yeah. longer working for the New York stock exchange. You, mm-hmm. so what was that season like? And I'm sure she had a massive part of that where, um, as your faith began to grow, but also your, you even talked about this, you kind of lost that confidence in yourself. Mm-hmm. Really, that was restored to be able to go mm-hmm. and do your own thing. Walk us through that a little bit. I'd love to hear that. Yeah. So I would say when I was in investment banking, I was pretty much beaten down as one person could. It's kind of part of their MO mm-hmm. <laughs> is to make you feel bad all the time. And it, they don't intentionally do it. It's just part of the culture. And so um, when I worked at the New York Stock Exchange, I really started to explore other departments and realized on Wall Street that I was really bad at finance. Like that was, which is a terrible place to realize it. Um, but that I really loved working and listening to the people that were on the PR team at the New York Stock Exchange or the marketing team. And then one day my boss kind of threw me in front of a camera to do a webinar Um, where I was reporting the IPO live from the floor. Now this was only getting transmitted back. It wasn't like I was on CNBC or something crazy like that. It was, it was just getting live streamed back to the companies that were IPOing so their employees could be a part of the day, which was awesome. Super fun. Um, and I created kind of this show on the floor. Like that to me was more fun and Mm -hmm. it wasn't even a part of my job description. So they gave me some Liberty to start to explore new things, which helped me realize like, Oh, wow the things that I really loved doing as a little girl, I'm actually pretty good at, and I was innately good at, but I tried to be good at finance because it was the right thing or what I thought was the right thing. Um, and I actually was not very good at it. (laughs) Like I really was not my gifting. Um, and so when I was there, I really got to think about what was I good at? What did I want to do? And then I started to explore other companies. So I actually didn't even leave the New York stock exchange at that point and start my own thing. I actually went to another company, which was a startup. And and ended up working there for a couple of years before I took my business full time. Uh, I love that. Like that we talk about you know, when I'm on a show, people are asking my best advice. I always say, like, figure out what your superpower is, right? Like, what is yeah. your unique ability? And that's kind of what you know. You learned it's not finance. It really is this idea of getting in front of people and coaching. Mm-hmm. And and uh, so I love that. I think that's going to be really helpful for a lot of people. Is even within your, you know, it doesn't mean you have to go out and start your own thing either, right? Mm-hmm. But it totally. is, uh, it is trying to unveil, and especially as a Christian, like we know God has designed us in a certain way that is unique, mm-hmm. um, and that we really do honor Him and and glorify Him the most when mm-hmm. we are kind of serving or we're in that position of kind of our unique superpower. Yeah, and I think a lot of Christians, I've coached some believers. Um, when they were kind of going through interview process and they were like really intimidated to start talking about their skill set or their accomplishments. And I was like, 
newsflash, you didn't do anything to get those things. <laughs> like They were implanted into you, into your DNA. And now you get the opportunity to steward those gifts and stewarding those gifts. When you're talking about your experience in a matter of fact, confident way, you're not celebrating yourself. You're celebrating the creator as long as your motivations are in check. And so that's something that I'm also really passionate about where I see a lot of Christians who are not necessarily living that out because they're fearful of not being perceived as humble when really that's just fear of man. So it's like this whole convoluted web where I would love to see more people recognize what their superpower is that God gave them because everybody has something, everybody. And I talk to my people that are in my career coaching program about that. Like the women that are in my program, nine out of 10 are not believers. And we still talk about like, what is your unique gifting? How were you made? Like, what is the one thing that you want to do more of? And how do we leverage that in your personal brand when you try and find a new job? Same mm -hmm. thing holds true for Christians as they're figuring out what to do in their next occupation. How do you help people uncover that? Like if, if, if people are listening, how, how, as a coach in your, yeah. to your clients, how, how are you uncovering that? Because I, I think it's a question. I know, and I know, and maybe there's a two step <laughs> process, but it, it, I, because I talk about this so much and I think it came natural to me because I did it for so long working with people. But I think some people kind of struggle to figure out what is my superpower? What do, mm -hmm. what am I really passionate about this? Or am I just kind of going through the motions? And especially sure. as business owners, entrepreneurs, things are busy. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I mean, I, just even some tips or advice. I even, I have my clients ask themselves the question, well, yeah, I mean, there's tons of journal prompts that I often do. There's a self-reflection portion to it, right? And then mm -hmm. it's oftentimes having a third party, which is where I step in and say, okay, did you see that you wrote all these things down? This is what it's sounding like. You feel like you're in the zone when you're doing X. Mm -hmm. And then you feel like you really want to do more of Y. So those two things together show me that this is probably your superpower. Do you agree with that? And so it's really... I think getting super honest with yourself about what you like doing and usually what you like doing has some semblance of being your superpower. <laughs> so I think about myself back when I was at the New York stock exchange, I was really just curious about what things I was just evaluating all the time and being like, I really do not feel like I'm thriving when I'm in an Excel spreadsheet. I do feel like I'm thriving when I get to write up this script for this thing. That's not even a part of my job. I need to pay attention to that. Or I was looking and evaluating that I loved touring CEOs around the New York Stock Exchange. Now, that didn't mean I was going to be like a tour guide, but it told me that I had some relational skills that were beneficial and I knew I was really good at it and I enjoyed doing it. So that all of that together started to morph into what I feel like my superpower is, which is creating content and helping to teach people to do things that they don't know how to do. Mm, I love that. You know, and if there's like, I know we have kind of a portion of our audience is younger starting to begin. Sure. I do think it, it's important to note that like, sometimes you, like you don't quite know early in your career. You gotta you know, try things. Yeah. You have to try yeah, things, right? I worked for to. college ministry for so long and it was so heartbreaking to see people who just like had this expectation that they should know what they needed to do with their life at 22 years old. Yeah. <laughs> you, know? you won't. Like I usually tell people that are new grads, your first job will never be your last job. It is very rare that you find people that stick on a, most people think your career trajectory is like an upward career ladder. Well, really it's kind of like a zigzag. Mm -hmm. And so when you have that visual, it makes you feel a lot better that you don't have it figured out because newsflash, nobody does. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, and, and, and too, like, you know, I thought, and, and who knows, maybe I'll go back into pastoral mm -hmm. ministry. I thought I was going to be, a, you know, in full-time ministry my whole life. Um, 
And now I'm in, you know, I'm kind of in the real estate entrepreneur world, but you know, it's interesting. We were talking about this before the call because I know what my unique superpower is. I'm Mm -hmm. really good at building communities and bringing people together that even I thought we were launching out to build this investment firm. What I've really done is still based around this idea of building (laughs) a community within kingdom capitalists. And so it's like, and it's just because this is who I am. This is how God's wired me. This is what I love to do. And so Mm -hmm. I can't really get away from it. Um, mm-hmm. and so I, th- I think, you know, the, the, the more you can get clarity on that, it's kind of like I can be in ministry or now I can be, you know, doing this podcast show or in real mm-hmm. estate, a couple of things are happening. I'm still loving where I'm at and I still feel like I'm really bringing God glory because I'm helping people. Yeah. I'm serving people. I'm doing what I was created to be. And so I just love that advice for, for everyone who's listening because talk about that a lot. So it's really helpful to even kind of process that. Um, yeah. Uh, so let's kind of transition your story to where you were able to launch out and, and do what you're doing now. How did that, how did that happen? Yeah. So I obviously changed my career quite a few times. <laughs> I went working in investment banking to then working at the New York stock exchange, which was different. It sounds like it'd be the same from the outside, but it was different type of work. Um, and then I transitioned again for a really tiny startup. I think I was like the 11th salesperson. First of all, I transitioned from finance to sales, which was a pretty massive pivot at a medium sized company to a really small startup. Um, that was really scrappy at the time. And, um, so I figured out how to make some pretty massive changes in my career and people started asking me how I did it. And so, I was like, hmm, well, I started helping people here and there. And then I thought, well, I could probably monetize this. And um, I always probably had that entrepreneurial spirit. My dad's an entrepreneur. (laughs) Yeah, I just always, as a little girl. I'm always asking that question. How do I, okay, how do we make money on this, right? How do I I monetize this? (laughs) And living in New York City, I was like, how do I make money, right? Right. Um, (laughs) um, So I um, just kind of started very small. And then it was a pretty thriving side hustle about, I did it for about two years. I would say as a side hustle. And then it came time where the Lord made it clear it was time for me to move. Um, I, I was allowed to move rather, should I say. Um, and um, I decided I was going to move to Nashville. I knew like three people, um, but I just had a feeling that I wanted to move to Nashville, which now looking back is like really beautiful because I met my husband, my future husband here and just all the fun things that go along with that. But um, I decided to launch my business full time while making a move across the country. So, wow. so you were already doing it as a side. So it was pretty natural. Like, Hey, I'm just gonna, if I had more time to focus on this side hustle, I could pretty much turn this into a career. Yeah. And I did not strategize probably at all really thinking through, like I look back mm-hmm. on that time and I was like, you were really bold. Like, <laughs> you were really thinking like you really trusted that God was going to provide because I didn't really have a massive plan at the time. I was getting a lot of leads from one source. It wasn't diversified. Um, and I really didn't know how to fully build my brand at the time to get clients beyond that one kind of stream of income. Yeah. Okay. So I'm really personally curious on this question. Then what was, um, the tipping point for you where you kind of figured out, your ideal client and, and you kind of knew where to find them, where it kind of went, you know, even in the beginning stages, it's still, mm-hmm. it's still functioning like a side hustle, even though it's totally. still your full hustle. What was the tipping point for you where you're like, no, I'm in my sweet spot. I know where to find my clients. I'm going to, I mean, your, your bio is really clear. You serve a hundred K plus professional women. Yeah. Like what, what, when did that happen? And walk us yeah, through. and full transparency, that is ever evolving. So mm-hmm. I think I'm constantly niching and trying to okay. figure out who my people are. So for a long, this is the first, 2020 is the first year that I'm solely decided to work with women. 
Um, and there's a couple of reasons Pappy to go into like why I decided that that was a really hard thing for me to decide to do. Um, I didn't want to do it for a really long time, but I would say for me, um, I really didn't, I realized that I enjoyed working with a more senior level type of professional. I related really well with them. And so for me, it probably took about a year and a half to really get clear on like, that was what I was trying to serve and how I found them and, um, also charging appropriately. Okay, so well, it took I'm, me probably a year and a half really to get to that point. Um, and then my business really started to move. I'm actually incredibly curious because this is our journey with Kingdom Capitalist as well. Yeah. We're, we're on the same path. And I like, I'm okay for my audience to know our business model. And I talk openly about it as well because I think it's helpful as people are trying to wrestle with this. I too, when I, we started Kingdom Capitalist, it was Christian entrepreneurs and realizing, no, that's too big. I, I don't yeah. know if I have enough value to provide to the entire entrepreneur movement of Christianity. Sure. So now we've niched to real estate. So I am curious for you as well. Like, okay, now that you've niched to this, mm -hmm. um, maybe what was the struggle in that? And then I want to know what, is, what has been the blessing of finding a niche? What has that allowed you? You're able to move faster now or kind of let's talk yeah. through that because it's going to help me. And I think it's also going to help our audience. Yeah. So I think the biggest thing that made me decide that was realizing when I really took an evaluation of my entire business kind of over the last year or so, I realized that I wanted to focus in on my four-step approach program, which is called Recruit the Employer. It's helping people, and now women specifically, become more proactive in their job search process versus just passively waiting for a recruiter to find them. Mm -hmm. um, and so I really wanted to double down my efforts on that, streamline that into more of a group program so that I could leverage more of my time, didn't get burnout so fast. And then so also I realized that people wanted to learn from each other. And so while I was doing an evaluation, I realized the majority of the people in Recruit the Employer in the past year were women because women really, unfortunately, don't necessarily have as many of the tools or weren't necessarily um, given those tools to learn how to negotiate really well, to think of themselves as leaders. And once they do get to that leadership level, they don't have a lot of people to look left and right to that are doing the same things with them at their company. So um, I never wanted to be a female coach for females <laughs> because I loved working with my male clients. Like my favorite clients oftentimes were my male clients, but I realized that I could serve a generation um, of men and women by also by first serving women. So it was a very hard decision for me, but um, it's been really fun. Yeah. So now that you have this kind of tight niche, talk, let's talk about the benefits of that. Now that you know exactly, you've gotten real clarity on who you're serving or you're finding yeah. more clarity, right? But you definitely have a good yeah. niche. It seems like, what has that been, been like for your business? Yeah. I think for me, it's really about learning what those women care about and realizing once those women get into my program, it is so beautiful to know that I, I think as a coach, I expected and figured that most of my clients only wanted to talk to me, which the reality is, is that's part of it. They want my methodology. They want to understand how to do these things better, but they really wanted other women alongside them. And it has been so fun mm. to get to watch these women interact with one another, share networking opportunities, and really just see that multiply. That for me has been even the biggest gift, regardless of financials. It's more around like that's really fun for me. And it's honestly, quite frankly, it's almost, I don't want to say less work, but I've streamlined it to make it so that it's simpler and they're getting more value than just trading. You know, before it was, I would work with people one-on-one -on -one and they would get an hour of my time. And it was just too much for me personally over the long haul. And this group program allowed to streamline my time, but also to give them the benefit of each other. So that's been awesome for me to watch, to yeah. step out in faith. Cause it was really scary to do that and be like, Oh my gosh, are people in corporate going to want to be in group programs together? I don't know. And then I did it and they were like, this is the best thing ever. 
my one-on-one clients were like, can we stop with our stuff and can I go into your group program now? I think what you're saying though is so powerful um, because it's, it's, you have, you went from building a business to building a community. Yes. Right. And like that is, I don't know how that's going to hit people listening to this show, but that really is when you take things to the next level, right? When you can, you can figure out how do I, I'm not just kind of selling a product to folks, but Mm -hmm. how do I really build a community around my product where people, there's a level of buy-in of, because then people start talking about it. Like it's, this is my people. This is what I love. It's not just something I bought into. So yeah, yeah, that's excellent. Yeah. And it's kind of funny when you say the buy and people start talking about it. So I've noticed that with a group program, people are more willing to talk about their experience because when you have a corporate person who's looking to change jobs, they're not going to be talking about it. They're actually going to be doing the opposite. They're going to keep that really tight to their chest because they don't want their employer to ever find Mm -hmm. out. But I'm finding in a group program, a lot of these women are willing to tell their friends because they're like, oh my gosh, I met this person who knows this person. And that's how I expanded my network. So it's been even, you know, helpful for me to think about for the future of how do I keep community, keep building a community versus just me and a client, me and a client. So it's, yeah, just exactly what you said there. What what are you doing specifically um, inside that community to kind of create camaraderie for people to not just talk to you, but they're talking to one another? What are some things you're doing inside of your community? Yeah. So we have a group. We actually have a LinkedIn group because I'm trying to get people on LinkedIn more. Gosh, um, I'm so excited to talk about that because LinkedIn yeah. groups suck. I just, yeah, I, they're not they're so hard, they're not but they're, but it, because it's a private group, it allows for people to be more active in it too. Okay. Um, and so basically I have people in the group and they're actually working on their worksheets. So I have a modules that I make them all walk through, which is also freed up my time, which is great. Like getting all that paper, that stuff down on paper has been like, oh, praise Jesus. Mm. (laughs) Um, And so they're walking through the modules and they're doing the exercises and they're sharing it with each other. So I always tell them to share what they're working on so long as they feel comfortable with the rest of the people in the group. We have our group calls. We actually have one tonight. Um, I have every single one of them express what their work wins are. Um, So they're all learning from each other. And then also when one person asks a question, I'll answer it, but then I will make sure that other people get an opportunity to give their two cents as well. So it's a combination of all that. Yeah, things. no, I really like that. Something also just hit me. I wanted to ask you about. Yeah. Did you do any? Um, and, and I'm asking this to set something else up, so don't feel like I'm attacking you here. Uh, yeah. Have you done any coaching or like training? Do you have a certification? Yeah. I guess is my yeah, question. Yeah, that's a great question. Coaching? And my answer is no. And there's a really good reason why. Um, I did a bunch of research when I was looking to become a coach, a career coach, specifically in the career coaching sector. There's not a lot of quote unquote regulation about those certification programs and the certification programs that I found, I hated all of them. I thought they were made by quite frankly, old women in HR. This is so terrible, but like all these like old stodgy thought processes around it. So I really consider myself more of a strategist than just a coach. I coach people through things and use some coaching methodologies, but I'm really more of a strategist and giving people a plan. So to answer question, no, I've actually thought about creating my own certification. <laughs> I love it. All like, the ones are crappy. They're so bad out there. Yeah. I, so I'm so glad I actually didn't know the answer to that question. And you answered yeah. it to my liking, actually, because I just think yeah. that's so powerful. Like, you didn't wait for someone to oh, check no. off a box for you to say, oh, I can go yeah. help these women. You had the yeah. experience. You knew what God was calling you yeah. into. You knew mm-hmm. how he gifted you. And look what you're building. I mean, that yeah. is so incredible. Well, it's funny because like I've worked with over 800, over 800 people. Do you know how many people have asked me if I have a certification? Yep. 
like Pro- one. Well, yeah, I was going to say maybe <laughs> like a handful. Literally one. Yeah, seriously. And I can understand if you're doing like health coaching or something like that, that's a little bit more where you want to make sure you're certified and learning proper, you know, science around certain things. But for this kind of profession, it's really about marketing. Like it really is about, in my personal opinion, a lot of the job search process is really around marketing and being able to, um, write, being a great copywriter for people's resumes. It's about being a really good marketer for them and then just teaching them really well. So for me, I just haven't found, if I find one that I like, I would take it, but I haven't. You have this, it's called results 800, right? (laughs) Like now you, it's, you're past that, right? I love you saying I'm going to make my own now. That's really. Oh, for sure. I've thought about it because I'm like, Um, they're all crappy. (laughs) Yeah. All right. So you are opened up the door for marketing. So let's Mm -hmm. go there with the last, last kind of part of our time. Um, I don't want to specifically talk about the power of LinkedIn. And there's so many ways here where we can go, uh, but I saw an article on your page earlier, and this is, I'm going to get a little bit selfish here. So okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> the, the power of, let's be specific, the bio, because I know you've written kind of an article there or, yeah. or let, I, I definitely want to get there, but let me ask before, is there anything kind of when you're first talking to your clients about LinkedIn, are there some initial steps before they get to the bio or is that, is that the most? So important? you're talking about the summary section, the summary section. Yeah. Um, I always recommend that people need to think about why they're using their LinkedIn profile and what they're using it for. Okay. So whether you're finding a job, whether you're trying to build your personal brand for the long haul, if you're trying to get speaking engagements, or if you're an entrepreneur and you're using it as a sales page, regardless, everybody's is technically using it as a sales page, but I want you to first get super clear on why you are utilizing it. Like what's the purpose of it? Um, and then from there, it's really around, I actually recommend people go from top to bottom then to the middle again. So I recommend doing everything that's at the top. So the headline, the profile, the cover photo, then jumping down to the experience section, then going back up to the summary section, because the summary section can be the biggest beast and you're going to lose steam and you're going to get frustrated and writing it can be a pain. So I would rather you complete the other parts of your profile before you get to the summary. Okay. Well, let's, let's talk about headline then, because that is important. It's the first thing people see. They see it on everything you post. Yep. What's a good headline? I think a good headline is a headline that is succinct and specific. So it really indicates who you're trying to attract. So if you're trying to get a VP of growth position and you're currently a VP of growth, you should probably put that. And then you should also put maybe some characteristics or qualities that a recruiter or a, another person will be looking for, right? So that's for if you're a nine to fiver. If you're an entrepreneur, like for myself, I use my headline as a marketing tool. So I know that people can search on LinkedIn for certain types of people. So I get a ton of people that will search for career coach on LinkedIn, which is why I have career coach and strategist in my title. Um, I'm also very specific in who I target now, as you had mentioned, I write in there hundred K plus women. Um, and I also use it as a place where I can potentially advertise future products. So right now I have my, my own podcast, right? The, your career story podcast is listed in there. So it's really designed for who are you trying to attract and using words that they're going to be searching for. How do you do that without kind of sounding spammy, I guess, Mm -hmm. right? Like, um, let's just use my, my bio, for example, or my headline. I think I, I have in there number one mastermind for Christian real estate investors and then like a dash podcast host, real estate investor. Is that too forward or what would you, what do you think about that? And are people searching? Like, I love that example. You're in your headline, something that people are searching for. Yeah. 
Yeah. I mean, yours might not be something that someone's searching for, but when they come across you, they're really clear on what you offer. My least favorite thing is when someone writes like financial professional, like, what does that mean? (laughs) That tells me nothing about you. It tells me nothing about your brand. So what I often recommend for people to do is to like write down even like five words that they would use to describe them or their business and potentially cherry pick some ones that are relevant and to see what works best. So I'm always changing my headline. It's never gonna be exactly stagnant. Just like on Instagram, your bio probably changes all the time. The same thing holds true, I think, for LinkedIn with the headline. Because you're kind of writing it in the sense of like, this really isn't for you. It's kind of more for people who are looking for you. Yes, 100%, yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's a big shift uh, for people like to get on LinkedIn is, you know, you kind of, it's, it's really not your highlight page. Like it's yeah. really for somebody else is kind of the yeah. biggest turning point for people. Right. And you starting with the headline. Mm-hmm. Um, so what would be a great example then for someone who is in, inve- is in the investing space They're sure. they're raising private equity for, let's just say for real estate investors, we have a lot of real estate investors on mm-hmm. our show. Um, they, kind of what they're looking for are deals and capital mm-hmm. for those deals. What would be an, an, an interesting headline for something like that? Oh, what gosh. are people searching for? I'm putting I don't in know if I could, Yeah, I don't know if I could answer that one because I don't know enough. I'm, I'm one of those people that I need to think about it probably a little okay. bit more. Um, so tips, like what, how, yeah. how would you go about figuring out what to put in that headline? Then? I would say that like, let's say for instance, I had one, um, one client who was in um, kind of a finance space and he basically would say like what his title was And then he would express like um, specialties include and like had a colon and was like M&A, IPO and whatever. So like yours could potentially be maybe it's a certain type of industries that you and, you know, whatever you invest in. I don't know exactly. I'm not super familiar with real estate investing, but (laughs) (laughs) um, it's really about who, what are you trying to, what's your niche, right? Like who are you really trying to target? Um, and some people even put their email addresses in, um, in their headlines of being like, if interested in you know, contributing capital, this, the email. I don't know. I don't know what you No, that's really good though, because you're talking about like specialties in if people are looking for mobile home park investing or multifamily, you know, specialty in in multifamily apartment complexes and that's going to come up. Yep. 100%. That's really good. So, okay. So bio or I'm sorry, headline, Mm -hmm. good, good photo. Yep. Cover photo too. Okay. What do you mean cover photo? What's that? Cover photo is, is the, um, what normally people have is like the blue behind their profile picture that nobody thinks to update, update it. Um, especially if you're an entrepreneur, that is like some prime real estate where Mm. you can put like a lead to an email or a lead to a lead magnet or somewhere that someone can either learn more about you, like use that as an opportunity to share your brand. Um, so I'm a firm believer that the cover photo at the very least should have a laptop there. Just don't do the LinkedIn blue. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I, I all I have is so all I have like a city of San Diego. So I need to, you're yeah, saying I need I need something. That's great, but if you are trying to use your LinkedIn profile as a sales page, if you notice okay. on mine, I'm always changing mine. So okay. mine will be like if I have a course releasing, I'm gonna have that course launch page mm. on there. Or if I'm trying to get like grow my email list, I'm gonna have a link to a freebie up there. But how do they get to it? It's just a background photo. So you have the yeah. background photo, and then how do they get to whatever that lead magnet is? You have to put the URL in. So you'd put the URL in, type it, but it doesn't. You can't. It's not clickable. So that's okay. the only problem. So they just type right in. They see it. Yep. Go to this mm-hmm. or whatever. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love you. I love that idea of like that's prime real estate on your LinkedIn yeah. page because the strategy, at least what I find, is that 
when you're posting content, the content is not a pitch. The content yeah. is, is content. It's value. It's interactive. Mm-hmm. It's, mm-hmm. it's getting people to that, um, mm-hmm. to like, to comment or whatever in the hopes that what they do is, oh, Ellis, what's he do? Or this is interesting. Yeah. And they click on your page it's and exactly now you right. have them, right? Yep. Mm-hmm. Yes, exactly. I yeah. love posting on LinkedIn. That's how I've grown my business. Um, predominantly is through LinkedIn. Um, and it's from posting a lot. I post a lot. So if you are listening to this, connect with me on LinkedIn and you can copy how I'm doing it. (laughs) So I want to get into the posting, but first, because I know like the foundation here is, is we're trying to get them from the posting to your page. So summary, because this is going to be important. Mm -hmm. I read your summary earlier. I thought it was really good. Yeah. Give us some tips on even how you, how you kind of outlined your summary in your Mm -hmm. LinkedIn bio. Yeah. I think it's about telling a story. You want someone to understand people resonate with stories, period. That's why you have a podcast, right? Cause you're trying to tell stories. So, um, I firmly believe in usually telling some sort of story about how you got to where you got to, or depending on who, again, your target audience is. Um, I always recommend, especially if you're an entrepreneur, having some place where someone can like land on where they can copy and paste on your summary where they can go to for more resources or more information. So use it as an opportunity for someone to set up a call with you mm-hmm. or to, um, you know, tell more of your value proposition or who you specifically target. Um, it's an, also an opportunity for you to share your accolades and accomplishments. If you have them that you feel like would be beneficial for the person you want to be looking at your profile to see. So for me, you're going to find the very top of my summary right now as we're recording this is I, the first thing I want someone to do is I want to go, want them to go, I think it's to my podcast page right now. Um, it's either a podcast or, um, a resume template or something I'm selling, something like that. And then I go into my story and then I talk about my accomplishments and then I tell them other places that they should, um, check, check out, check me out to learn more. Yeah, I know. I love that. I'm actually pulling it up right now live yeah, you're on, probably. The, on the, uh, <laughs> like what on is on it right now? <laughs> show. No, I think it's really good. So your headline right now says career coach to hundred K plus women, professional development, personal branding, faith and work. So that mm-hmm. even is showing, Hey, like I am, um, faith, faith is important yeah. to me. Yeah. yeah. Uh, no, I think that's really great. And then, yeah, I mean, your first thing is free course, how to work with a micromanager. And then you have a link that people yes. can copy and paste to go to. Right. Yep. And then a little bit about you, um, a couple accomplishments. And then what I really love is that you have some action steps. I think this mm-hmm. is what's so key. Uh, I wish maybe if people are on uh, YouTube and they want to go to YouTube, I'll go ahead and share my screen with them so Perfect. they can see this. But uh, I love that you Ooh, have fancy. a couple. Uh, yeah, I've never <laughs> done this. Our, my YouTube game is so weak, so maybe this will help. Um, but yeah, you have some really great action steps here. Coaching, mm-hmm. really clear. You do coaching podcast really clear you have podcast and then this is what got me actually I did this today I'm in your funnel um free resources for you yeah like because people I don't really want to buy from you now and I couldn't buy from you anyways because I'm not a woman in uh, in this yes. plus. but <laughs> if I was one of those but I wasn't quite ready to do this now you have something mm-hmm. that I can essentially enter into your ecosystem mm-hmm. for free without mm-hmm. any pressure yep 100 percent so, and actually you probably could if you went to my LinkedIn course, cause it's not for females. Ah, see, Fine. you have something for me as well. That's what I'm saying. So you're going to get me somewhere or the other. I love it. That's the multiple, that's the, that's the next level of business having multiple products, right? That you can yeah, sell. That is really what I'm thinking about long-term for the future. Yeah. I've always made the joke that I'm going to be the Dave Ramsey of careers. And just what I mean by that is that he's created a lot of 
awesome products for people that really help people in the realm of finance, I want to do the same thing, but in careers, because I think yeah. it's really important. So, yeah. um, but yes, you are now my funnel because of my LinkedIn profile. Perfect. Yeah, no, and I, but I think it's really good because you say like how your LinkedIn bio can boost your career. Like that mm -hmm. caught me. Like I'm just, I'm always changing my bio because I just don't know if it's any good. Yeah. So I was, I thought that was really applicable to, to me and my business. So I think that's an excellent tip. Um, awesome. Well. well, I'll take a peek at yours and I'll let you know. Oh, that would be excellent. Yes. Uh, well, hey, well, no, we don't got time. Oh, gosh, there's so much we could do on this uh, on this yeah. podcast show. I really love it. Um, so we can do that offline. Um, wow. Where to go to next? Okay. Let's stay on LinkedIn for five more minutes. So sure. the bio, mm -hmm. and I would say everybody go to Jenna Viviano, J-E-N-A-V-I-V-I-A-N-O, connect with her and then literally use her framework of what she's created. Yeah. I think it's really clear and helpful. Um, so your bio is good. Let's mm -hmm. talk about your content you're posting. What mm -hmm. do you, what makes good content? Yes. So I'm a firm believer that consistency is really key. So I think people get really overwhelmed when I tell them how much content I post now. I didn't always do that. Um, for me, it's really text content does really, really well on LinkedIn as well as native video. If you are linking away to something, it's not going to perform as well. Right. So anytime I'm linking something away from, from like the post to my website, it doesn't do as well as if let's say I write a whole post and then I say, Hey, the link to this is in my comments that will do fine. So it's really kind of packing the algorithm a little bit. Um, but text posts typically do the best on LinkedIn and the beautiful part about posting on LinkedIn and there's the kind of two different types of content there's posting. And then there is the articles, which I'm talking about posting because it's a lot easier to produce content because it's a shorter amount of characters that you mm -hmm. can use. So the types of things that I include in my content is really around quick tips usually do really well. Um, and for, for my ideal audience, it's me telling a story, maybe about myself personally, my journey or journey of my clients. And then usually what I'm doing is something that's mindset shifting. So if it's really helping people think differently about their careers, differently about coaching, differently about, um, what it looks like to invest in themselves. So those are usually the three types of content that I do. And I find that works really well. And then how much are you engaging with other people's comments or content on LinkedIn? So I have not done a good job of that in the past. That is an initiative that we're trying out for this new year. The problem is I grew so fast that I couldn't keep up with it. Hmm. And I would have just been on LinkedIn all day long. And I just, that was not the life that I wanted. So um, that is an initiative that we're really focusing on because LinkedIn does like reward that. Oh, if yeah. you're more engaged and you're commenting and commenting on other people's stuff as well. So like if you're really being a member of the community, again, about being on a community, um, then it's really helpful. So you'll notice probably more so nowadays that I'll, I'll be more active in responding to people. Um, but there are some instances, like for instance, I just had a post that who you, sometimes you never know what's going to go like LinkedIn viral. I had a post that now has probably 70,000 views in like less than a week. Um, and so it's impossible for me to get to every single person on that list right. that has commented on it. So it's kind of a give or take right now. How, so you're at over 12,000 connections. Did you do, was that organic just from creating enough content or did you kind of do some stuff where you were, you know, you know, the automatic connection things like what, how did you get to, I mean, that's a pretty good, it's not what massive. You mean automatic but, connections? Well, you know, there's different bots and things like that you can oh, use no, to, use bots. okay. So that was all pretty much just creating your own natural yeah. content. Yeah. So I actually switched it over the middle of last year where I was doing 
you can switch it so that people follow you versus just connect with you. So I still have people that connect with me, but the majority of my, it's a following, not a connection. Oh, so actually my connections are only around 7,000, which is better for me personally. Um, now if you're listening to this podcast, I want you to connect with me. Tell me what your biggest takeaway was. Cause I love those kind of connections, but for the majority of people, they're able to follow me. I think I'm close to about 13,000 right, right about now. Yeah, so. 12, nine fifty. Um, yeah. So, um, that has all been through posting. That's hmm. it. I've literally no ads, no, no bots for sure. No bots. Um, and very rarely do I spend time sitting down and connecting with people. So, okay. I'm curious this, this connection, uh, following thing. What, yeah. what do you recommend? Why, why the follower versus the connection? It's just more about like when you have connections, um, if you're trying to build a platform, you want people to follow you. If you are connecting with them, they have an opportunity then to be sending you messages all the time. And sometimes that can clog up your inbox to people that really are not really great leads. If you're an entrepreneur, like for instance, Sarah Blakely of the company Spanx, she's has a following feature versus a connection feature. Okay. Um, and it just, it just allows you to leverage your platform more. I gotcha. So, so if you want people to message you or DM is important to your business, you might want to stay with the connection route. Yeah. But the thing is, is I have it on follow and I have people connect with me all the time still. They gotcha. figure a workaround and they still connect. The people that want to connect with you will connect with you. Yeah. Okay. Really cool. Wow. Really, really helpful stuff there. I, uh, I, I mean, I love the power of LinkedIn. I mean, can you yeah. just speak really like big picture what has done for your business using this platform? Mm -hmm. Why this one versus, you know, Facebook or Instagram? Yeah. So for me, we actually did a, a look back at the year and what's been the most helpful to the business. So I never get a client from Instagram. <laughs> like it is, I've never gotten a client from Instagram, maybe one out of the entirety of my working on this. And I have like six or 7,000 followers on Instagram. And for me, I realized that my audience is on LinkedIn. Like my professionals are on LinkedIn. And so if you have a B2B type of business or you're trying to work with, you know, professionals, they're going to be on LinkedIn. They're going to be actively using LinkedIn. So I realized that for me to double down on that versus trying to keep up with all the platforms just wasn't a great use of my time. It was yeah. making me crazy. <laughs> so, um, I just really had to think about what was best for the business. So that's why I doubled down on LinkedIn. But I would say that for anybody that really is trying to get that B2B audience, like LinkedIn is the place to be. So, yeah, so good. So good. Um, gosh, I, I wish we could, I got, I want more, I got more LinkedIn questions, but I know we have to wrap <laughs> you up. Can, so. you, you have more than happy to answer that you, any that you have. <laughs> uh, well, and if our audience has questions for you, I'm sure you're going to give them away to, uh, to connect with you. Let me, let me just wrap, let me wrap us up here. This has been such amazing content. I'm so thankful for, uh, our time and, and, and just your time, uh, with us, but your, your biggest struggle, uh, kind of let's get away from LinkedIn. Let's get away from mm -hmm. business a little bit and kind of get mm -hmm. to personal faith. Um, yeah. Yeah. Well, as you've launched into this, this world of entrepreneurship and business owner, what have been some struggles for you as a, really as a kingdom capitalist, as someone who is really trying to think deeply about the intersection of, of capital and influence, but also their faith? Yeah. It is a thing that I am always struggling with and always thinking about, um, this year specifically, I don't know if it's cause I got engaged and I'm about to get, I don't know what it was, but 2020 hit. And I've been like, so introspective about my business and how I'm approaching life. So faith and work. Um, and I think the biggest things for me, um, are you familiar with the Enneagram? Personality? Yeah. Okay. yeah. My wife's so a therapist. I've, I've heard it. Oh, a lot. <laughs> okay. So you know all about it. So I'm an Enneagram three, which is an achiever. And my identity is very much rooted in my work. And I think I've, yes, you too. So I've realized so much that if I'm not careful, it will run my life. 
And I have had instances of that in the past year. Um, and it's something that I really am focusing on kind of for the future of like, how do I not, how do I do my work really well, but not at the same time have all of my identity and worth wrapped up in this business because it's my name. It's confused. It's like all the things, right? So that's the first piece of the puzzle. But the second piece is really around provision. So as an entrepreneur, it's always thinking about like, okay, God, like, where is the next client going to come in? Like I can only do so much. And so allowing him to step into certain things can be a little bit, um, stressful at times. So I don't know if you can relate to that at all. Yeah. hundred <laughs> percent. It's like, it's like that mix of, I, I hustle really hard mm-hmm. with a mix of, I really am trying to trust God with a mm-hmm. mix of like, if, if I, if I'm doing well in both of those things, I might be able to rest, you know, it's like, yeah, there is kind of that it's like that hustle rest trust combo which is mm-hmm. really tough to do mm-hmm. uh, you know the guy who we got in, that, how we got into jordan rayner you know in his mm-hmm. book <clears throat> called to create which i highly recommend for everybody he talks about that that balance or that i don't know how much of it is a balance or, i don't know how much you know? it's a balance for me <laughs> <laughs> yeah no that's really good i mean where are you at in that right now what does that look like for you it is today it is okay I would say some days it's not always okay. Um, and I think it's, it's actually never the number in the bank account. That's a matter of, of like, do I think God's going to provide for me? I could have, you know, $40,000 in the bank. I have $3,000 in the bank, or I could have almost zero in the bank. It doesn't, it's more around like, what is my posture in my heart around is God going to provide? And do I have to hustle my way to get there? Or am I going to really believe that his promises are true, that he will provide for me? Um, and I think I've, I have had seasons in my life where I like really believe that, especially when I you know, started the business and then, you know, we're on year five now of, you know, from side hustle to full hustle, we're on year five and it is realizing like, this is, this is a lot, Lord, <laughs> you've entrusted me with a lot. How do I keep this thing growing, but don't kill myself in the process. So it's, um, you know, it's hard sometimes for sure. Yeah. yeah. It's not all peaches and, you know, roses. <laughs> um, for the entrepreneurs out there that are hustling and working hard and, mm-hmm. you know, what if God's going to provide for the business or not? Let me just ask you an, an introspective question. What if, what if your business was to end? Like, what if it just yeah. didn't work out anymore? And, you know, like something happened, what, what, I don't know, what would your relationship with God be like then? What, how would you, what would that look like? It's funny you actually asked that question because I literally asked the Lord that question. I said, do you want ever, um, would you ever want me to shut this thing down? Like, cause we've been talking in my community group around like identity and idolatry and is God really good and all these big questions. Right. And I've just been really thinking about would I think God was good if this business ended. And I've had to wrestle with that because the reality is I know that they, that is true. I wouldn't come around to it, but I think my human nature is like, well, I worked so hard to create this when reality is he provided all those clients. He got me out of messes. He made things happen that I could have never imagined. I could tell you story after story of all the ways God has provided. Um, but I do wrestle with that question. And it's something that I'm asking the Lord a lot lately. Like, do you have this business for me for life? Is it going to look different? I don't know. I don't know the answer to that. Yeah. No, that's so great. When well, I think calling is much more about who we are and what mm-hmm. God has, you know, uniquely made us like than what we're doing. And I think that's that's really powerful because as you know, you're you're as many times you change careers. Who knows what God might lead you into next, right? Exactly. But, uh, to to realize you're not you're not what you're doing. Your identity yeah. is not based on what you're doing. Uh, you, God has made you uniquely you. And again, the, the, the more you learn that early on, I think the more that helps you later on to, to have the yeah. flexibility to, yeah. to move and to pivot. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, totally. Really- and it helps you if you really believe that, right? Like if we really believe that God's going to provide for us and he's calling us into something new, what do we have to lose? Right. We don't have anything to lose, but it can be very intimidating to be like, okay, we don't have anything to lose, but when's our next paycheck going to come in? Yeah. <laughs> you know? yeah. It really tests your faith, which I think is the most amazing thing about entrepreneur, entrepreneurial ventures, but also at the same time, it's the most terrifying thing. So, yeah, absolutely. Jen, this was amazing. Uh, I'm really thankful. Anything that you would like to add just uh, for our audience or any, any final mm-hmm. thoughts? Yeah, I think the last thing that I would just say is to reiterate a point that I said earlier was just think about the ways that God has gifted you and ask yourself if you're really leveraging those in your workplace right now. And if you aren't, what can you do to do more of that in your business? And then with the things that you're not really great at, how can you potentially find someone who's really great at that to help them thrive in their careers as well? Mm, so that's really excellent. How can our audience get a hold of you? Or how yeah, would you LinkedIn. like? Come yeah, to me at LinkedIn. Come on. <laughs> Follow or connect. What do you would like oh, for them to I do? I don't care. Either one. <laughs> connect with me on LinkedIn, actually. And tell me what your biggest takeaway was from this conversation. And then if you love podcasts, I also have a podcast. Um, it's more practical career advice for a nine to fiver. So it may not be as applicable, but we do talk about CEO mindset and things that are related to growing, um, growing and expanding the way you think about yourself and your career. What so. would be like the episode they should go check out first? How many oh, episodes do gosh. you have? Oh, gosh. Um, we have, we'll have 50 actually this upcoming week. So we've only been doing it for a year, but we've, I actually can't think of a number right now. That would be really good. We did one on Sabbath. That was excellent. Mm. I think it was number 10. Um, and it was about Sabbath. And I brought in a Bible teacher here in the Nashville area. Her name is Christy McClelland, super talented. She teaches everything from a um, Middle Eastern perspective. So from a Jewish perspective, and she talks about the benefit of Sabbath and how it can help you at work. So I feel like that would be beneficial to people. Wow, yeah, I'm going to go check that out. Uh, yeah, I definitely will. Well, we'll post your LinkedIn bio too in the, in the show notes. So Thank you. people have that. Uh, this was excellent. I'm so pumped to have you on. I'm so glad Jordan introduced us and really, yes. really fun getting to know you. Likewise. Well. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. Yeah. And I, I think this will be applicable as well for audience. Um, we have a resource for entrepreneurs, business owners, uh, actually a devotional. And you just need to go to keenumcapitalist.co forward slash bonuses to grab that, that devotion. I think in light of our conversation today, I think it could be really yeah. helpful for people really kind of wrestling and, and walking through things. It's actually written by entrepreneurs and business owners. And so uh, um, definitely go get that as well. Keenumcapitalist.co forward slash bonuses. Thanks, everybody. We'll see you next week. Hey, I hope you enjoyed this show today. If you want to learn more about our community, you're going to want to visit us at kingdomcapitalist.co. There you can find info on our private mastermind and even subscribe to our newsletter to get updates on new shows. And last but not least, land opportunities to get private trainings and coaching calls with the guest of this show. If you're enjoying this show, please take a minute to leave us a five-star review and also share this with a friend. We'll see you next time.